It's always a, a precious and wonderful time to be able to spend with God. Um, I think just from this morning, you know, throughout worship, throughout prayer, and even as I was, you know, preparing the message, just couldn't help but think, you know, how privileged, how graced we are to be able to be here in His presence, to be able to spend it with Him, you know, to have Him, have His face on us, and have Him beside us, seated with us, wherever we go and whatever we do. This is a gift. This is a precious thing, which, you know, our forefathers can only view from a distance. And that's what we we hope that's what we're gonna we're gonna be looking at and that's we hope that as we dwell in his presence he will show more of himself. Yeah. Good morning everyone. And as what Simon said, I'm Noel, I'm on staff of the Rock and part of the stuff that I do is just looking after, you know, the accounts and the stuff of the church. Um today we're gonna look at the rock. I'm here not to talk about, you know, that billboard out there that greets you as you come out from the motorway. Um, I'm not going to talk about, you know, this solid hill where this building is on. No, not about, even about this community which has that as his name. I'm talking about the rock, the real rock, the person of Christ, the word of God that stands forever, when, even when everything passes away. He is the rock that loves us, the rock that is eternal, the rock that is always there for us forever. We, you know, irregardless of all these things that's happening around us. From the start of the year, we have been having people up front testifying about the greatness of God, sharing, you know, from, from Sandra to Mel to Greg, talking about God who is ever faithful, who is ever gracious, you know, who is always there. The God who is always present, regardless of where, you know, whatever things that we are, He's always with us. We have Lindley shared this morning of the God who is the God of the possible. The God who is always kind, who is always there to bring us into Himself whenever we need Him. He is also the God of the rock. And as we hear people share and testify of Him, it is our desires, our prayer, that you will find something to turn your head towards. You know? That you will be like Moses, to find that there's something in all these things that I'm listening. There's something about this pearl of great price that is being spoken up from front and something that I need. And respond to that. Um, the rock, that picture, is what caught my attention when I was googling up pictures for this presentation. And looking at that, if I were a man standing in the foreground, just how small and how minute I would appear. You see how even the buildings just pale in comparison to the rock that stands behind it how formidable that is. And that is just a physical representation of something even greater in the spirit. If you are standing, if you are in, if you're on top of God, who is immensely bigger than you, how does that feel? Jeanette, this morning, 
prayed about us being seated with him on top of the rock. You know, be able to see from above everything that happens beneath. Regardless of the changes in the season, the changes in everything that's happening, you are there with him. And that is him. So today, what we're going to do is we'll go into this journey, just what we have been doing since January, a journey of discovery for some and rediscovery for others. So we'll be rediscovering him who is the rock. We're we'll looking at who he is and what he is. And in the process, we come to a deeper appreciation of who and what he is. I'd like one of the things that caught me, the story of the rock, is the story of Moses in Exodus chapter 12 to 23. This is a man who has seen God do awesome things. Great things that none of us have ever seen in our lifetime. But this is a man who is not satisfied with that. He wants more. He was not happy just seeing the acts of God. He wants to know the ways of God. And this story speaks to me more about that. This, this is a man who was willing to come and face himself face to face with God, even if he knew that he would be burned up in the process. You know, when we read the Old Testament, what is this thing that comes to our mind? We see a lot of death. We see law. We see people dying and stuff. And it, I, in the beginning, I thought, you know, how can this be from a God, you know? Is, is he this kind of God that loves to punish and to kill people and to do so? It's like he has a different personality. But all the while, what God has shown me is that you're not, you're looking at the wrong place. The Old Testament is not about a fearful, cruel, sadistic God, but it speaks about the gravity of the sin that separates us from him. We cannot, um, God is judicious and he's always just and he's, in his goodness, his, his justice is part of his goodness. The, the, the scripture says in Romans that, you know, because you're sin, the only thing that we are entitled to is death. Death and death alone. That is what we are entitled to receive from the beginning. And, 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 but as I was, as you look at the Old Testament, you don't, you see death in a sense, because that's how grave sin is. That's how wide the chasm that exists between us and Him. But what we also see is that in spite of sin, God didn't leave us to die and be on our own. He came. He wants a relationship. He is, from the beginning, desirous of a relationship of man, but a relationship that is rooted on the truth of himself. He made that way in the way of Moses, you know. He could have stand in heaven, but he chose to dwell in a box, in a tent, in the midst of people. He, he set up a way for people to come to him, into the tabernacle, in which, in a way, speaks all of Christ. Because if you go through, because you will not do that, every article in the tabernacle points to the Lord. He is the door. He is the burnt offering. He is the, the wash basin who washes us. He is the light in the lamp. He is the bread of heaven. Everything in the tabernacle points to Him. Which is what Jesus was saying. No one comes to Him except through Christ. And so Moses, this is an example of two people who are in love with one another. 
God desires of our relationship. And this is Moses wanting to know of God more. He said God reveals his acts to Israel, but these ways he revealed to Moses. And here in this verse, in this story, you will see how God, how Moses wanted to know the ways of God. So Moses said, Lord, show me your ways. Show me your face. Show me your glory. Show me your goodness. And God said, you can't, Moses. You can't at this point in time because of what exists in you. You know, wood, wood can never have a relationship with fire, can it? What would happen to wood? It would get consumed in the process. Even, but wood loves fire. Even if wood loves fire, what would God would do? I'll make a way. There's a way. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. The rock will embrace you for a while and I let my goodness pass you even if it's just a short time and you will see my back but not my face. You know, we have with us something far greater than a physical rock that Moses hid. The sacrifice that Christ has died, done on the cross actually covers us with righteousness and enables us to see God now face to face and experience what I said, something that Moses only longed for. You know, if you are, you know, Christ said, um, let us, you know, in the New Testament, it says, let us with unveiled face look at the glory of God and in the process be transformed ourselves. This is, He is the rock that cleft for us. We cannot see God, we cannot experience the fullness of God apart from Him. He has to cover us with Himself. We have to be in Him. The nice thing about that, that in the search of this, you know how we talk about that this is a relationship with him. If you look at the Song of Solomon, you'll find something interesting. Because it says in Song of Solomon, My dove in the cleft of the rock, in the hiding places in the mountainside, show me your face. I thought this was the bride speaking to the groom, but no, this is the groom speaking to the bride. And in that, in that encounter between Moses and God shows, you know, one side desirous of a relationship and the other person wanting the relationship, but one that can only be made pure when the other one is cleft in, is found himself in the rock. And that is what we are in him. He is the rock. He sustains us. He covers us. He dresses us up and positions us up as high as the mountains to be able to see him. He is the rock. Put your trust in him. The other thing about another story about the rock that we see is the one in Exodus chapter 17 and 20 where Moses provided, God provided water from the rock. And here you see, as the Israelites came into a relationship with God and God promised to bring them into the promised land, they came to a point when they started to complain. They knew, although God promised to bring them and God will take care of them, but no, they complained because they doubted God. And worse still, they, they put, projected something of God that is not totally of Him. What did they say? They said, God put us in the promised land, uh, put us into the desert to, to die, that He desired to kill us, which is totally a lie. But what did God do? He provided water to come from the rock. Is it possible for water to come from the rock? Is it possible for rock to bleed? Is it possible for, you know, everything is possible with love. Is it in Psalms, he said he split the rock and out of it came water as abundant as the seas. Out of the rock came rivers of, in the desert. You know, 
it, it was enough to satisfy not just Israelites, but even the cattle and everything. It kept them alive all those years. God provided bread. He provided meat. He provided water. He was the rock that sustained them. He made it unto himself. If you look at the New Testament, God still also provided water and bread. But, you know, from a rock that was crushed by hands, man's own hands. You know, he was pierced for our iniquities. He was crushed for our sins. You know, the punishment that gave us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. It was said, I read somewhere, that in the face of Christ, you could see the reconciliation of God and man. Because in that battered, beaten face, you see the, the best of God mingled with the worst of mankind. You know, the blood that was pure and holy and gracious mingled with the sputum, the spit of man. You know, when we look, man talks about justice. God was just in the Old Testament because that's what we deserve. But in the New Testament, what happened was man's just, man was, man's wrath was totally unjust because it was inflicted on one who never deserved that who was love personified, yet in that embrace of the worst of man and the goodness of God came for living water, came for blood and water that purchased and saved us. In 1 Corinthians 10.4, it says that they drank from the spiritual drink. They drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them in the desert, and that rock was Christ. Christ was all alone with them, and Christ is all alone with us. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Did he not? Did he not? David said, my salvation is from the Lord. If you put those two together, what do you see? You see the rock that cleft for you and established you and justified you on one side. You also see the rock that bled for you and provided for you on the other. These two together is Salvation in itself. You know, if you look at salvation, salvation is like, someone said, it's like two doors in, in a hallway in between. You have one door, which when you come to him and you receive, you come into that relationship with him, have been justified by him. And you have the other door, which is the glorification stage when you come and meet him face to face in your full glory. In that journey is the desert. In that middle hallway is, you know, that path of going with him, coming and walking out that relationship. And the rock was there. The rock sustained you and the rock provided for you. And the rock um, will be with you forever. So that is what David meant when he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, the horn of my salvation. There's no place, I think, in the book in the Bible that mentions of the rock more often than in the Psalms. And this is not from a man who just read it off the book or heard it from someone else. This is a man whose very life has proven it. You know, how many times was his life placed in danger? How many times did he slept with this enemy just beside him, knowing that he may not face the day, the following day? Stressful, right? Stressful, right? But all of these trials and tribulations all meant to just prove it strengthened his resolve. It strengthened his faith that his rock is the rock. It testified 
into himself that God is the rock and there's no other. A tower of strength against the enemy. Whenever we look at the rock, we can't help but think about the rock being eternal and unchanging as well. You know, whenever I, when I start thinking about eternal, this is something, eternity, something that people like us don't want to think about because it highlights and underscores our own brevity in, 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 in this earth. Um, Moses, a man of, after God's heart as well, who have seen great things of God, um, who knew God's heart, probably in the end of his life, um, do you know that he wrote a psalm? Psalms 90 is a psalm that was attributed to Moses. And in that psalm, it speaks of God. The first few verses talks about God who is um, there from eternity to eternity, who is always present. The next few verses talks about how short and fragile we are. You know, like grass in the fields that's here today and gone tomorrow. Like vapors who just disappear for a short time. But it ends with something very interesting. It says, teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. There is someone in the whole of eternity who is qualified to teach us about life. Who is the source of life, you know, the eternal life, who is the gate of life itself. Solomon, in all his wisdom, you know, he had everything that we could ever want him. He had nothing was taken. He had everything that he wanted in his eyes. Um, he, he, he did things, he did great exploits and all of that stuff. And what did he say in Ecclesiastes? Everything is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. The conclusion of it all, he says that, you know, remember the Lord when you are young. Obey him, because that is the, the only purpose of man. Knowing God and obeying him and loving him is the only purpose of man. It's in knowing the Lord that we actually find life. Find life that is eternal. Jesus said in his priestly prayer, he said, Father, you granted him authority over all people that he might give life to all you have given him. Eternal life that is. And this is eternal life that they may know you. The only true God and Christ whom you have sent. It is not just about us knowing God. It's about him knowing us as well. And the knowing underscores is, is presupposes a relationship that exists. You cannot know someone if you are not binded by a certain form of relationship in any way. You know? And in the Bible, when you talk of knowing, it even goes deeper than just knowing something about the person. It's very intimate, you know, when you talk about that. The thief on the cross, what did he say to Christ? Christ, remember me in paradise. And did what did Christ say? Behold, I you will be with me in paradise. Because the very same act of the thief, realizing who he was before the Lord and asking him to remember him, that very instant established a relationship between him and the Lord, a relationship that goes beyond the grave. You know, Jesus said he is the resurrection and the life. And those who believed in him, 
even though they die, will still live again. And if they live again, if they live, they will live forever. The rock is eternal. Understand that every relationship that you have with the rock carries on that same characteristic. It is eternal as well. You know, the Sadducees, they were arguing about the resurrection. And what did Jesus said? You know, when God told himself to be the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he was not speaking of people who have ceased to be. He's speaking of people who are and still is. I cannot have, at the moment, a relationship with my grandmother because she's no longer here. In this world, she has ceased to be. She is, she's still in my memory, yes, in a way she lives in me, but she has, she's no longer here. And I don't have the power to bring her back. Right? I cannot have a relationship with my great, 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 great grandfather whom I don't know because I don't know them. They don't, as far as I know, they don't exist. But in the eternal mind of God, anyone who has a relationship with Him exists forever. And He is one who can bring them back if He wanted. He can give them a body if they wanted in the resurrection. He can give me a body in the wanted in the resurrection. My life continues on based on that relationship. So at the end of the day, my friends, it is not at the end of our life what we have is actually, the only thing we have is actually a relationship with Him. That is the only thing that we have. Nothing in this world we can bring with us except that relationship with Him. Look at English grammar. What, what do you speak about when you try to, to represent something of eternal in nature or something more or less permanent? What tense do you use? Do I, like my name, for example, I am Noel. I am, that is more or less a thing that I have to carry within from the time I was born to the time I go. So I said I am Noel. It's present tense, but it is also the same time past and the same time future. Right? So when I said the sun shines, the sun shines, although the sun will pass away, but in, 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 more or less it's permanent, so it shines, you know. So when God says, I am, I am your Father, I am your Lord, I am your Savior, I am your Provider, He doesn't just speak of the present, He speaks of the past, He speaks of the present, He speaks of the future. That relationship that He has built with you is something that exists forever. So the I am of God is the I am of forever as well. So that's how, what we have with Him. The other thing about the Lord, um, about the rock, is unchangingness of Him. You know, we, everything in the world is passing away. And when you look at this, and when, when I, when I was young, you know, in, in the university, it's been very stressful with a lot of things. And sometimes when I can't cope with certain things, I would just go and sit by the sea. Although I know that the sea passes away, although it just passes very slowly, more slowly than we do. Um, but there's something sovereign about just sitting and meditating and looking at the sea. It's because the sea has been there far more than I am. You know, 
generations come and go, people come and sit by the sea, but it, it, it brings a certain sense of um, peace. God brings that peace um, from Him because you come to understand that, you know, in, even if there are things that come and go in your life, you know, there's always an inter- something that you can put your anchor on. The reason why peace is very elusive in this world, the reason why joy is very elusive in this world is because there's nothing in this world that actually can give us that. Remember? He is God. He creates everything. Everything created time and space. But time and space is moving and it's changing. It's changing at a very rapid speed. Um, and, and man is trying to cope with that. But man is looking for peace. But he doesn't realize that the peace that can, is not from here. It's a peace that's beyond the grave. It's a peace beyond the world. And so it makes sense for us, if you're really looking for a place to hold fast, to anchor, we have to anchor it on someone that's not of this world. Not family, not work, not even our very life. Because everything is passing away. He has to be the rock. He has to be unchanging. Because all these things that we speak of Him, being good, being loving, being kind, will not matter if we know that He wavers. No? If we speak that He is kind, and if I know that He can be unkind tomorrow, what sort of peace will I have? Right? If we speak that He is good, and we know that He might not be good. If, he, if, if we know that He is like man, like us, what kind of peace would I have? He said in Numbers, He said, I am not a man that I should lie. I am not one that would change my mind. God speaks and He acts. He is not one that promises and does not fulfill. Everything about Him, His goodness, His love, his gentleness is rooted in his very being. That his characteristic. That is his makeup. I am a man. Even though how much I try to dress up like a bird, I will still be a man. <laughs> even though, if, even if I can fly, I will still be a man because that's my makeup. I cannot say that I'm good because tomorrow something might happen. Someone might hurt me. Maybe I'll act in a very ungood manner. But God is good because that is what he is. He cannot change himself. And then the Bible says, you know, even if you, even if you are unfaithful to him, he will be faithful to you because he cannot deny himself. There's a story in, in the New Testament of a, a woman who came to Jesus for healing. She was a Gentile, cut off from Israel, have no relationship or any covenant relationship with the God of Israel. First thing she came, what she did was she tried to pretend that she was one. And she called him good teacher. She was never even, he was never even her teacher, you know. She had never really, she thought that she could gain his favor from being that. She's a good teacher. But Jesus, can you heal my daughter? But Jesus said, no. I don't, I came for the tribe of Israel. I don't do this to the dogs. If you look at that, you could get, you know, you think that God is harsh. Jesus is harsh. No, Jesus was, in love, putting her in her place. Because he was right. She had no covenant relationship with him. She was cut off from him. Like us. 
you know, in sin, we were cut off from the Savior. We have no relationship with Him whatsoever. There's nothing in us that entitles us to the mercies of God. But this woman came to realize with that very harsh word. She said, yes, Lord. I do not have anything in me that deserves your goodness. I am not an Israelite. I am not party to the promises of Abraham. But even if I am not in my state, I can still rely on your goodness. You are a good God. You never even allow a bird to fall dead. You, know, you feed the birds. You feed the throne. You are a good God. And even if I don't deserve it, Lord, I know you're good. You are good. In, you're even so good to even let crumbs fall to feed you know, the dogs. God said he showered the rain to both the good and the evil ones. And that's how he is. He is pure good. He is pure love. We may go to God for things, you know, that, you know, what's in it for me? Is there something that's in it for God when he seeks a relationship for us? None. Sometimes I would ask the Lord, why are you so good to me, Lord? There's, there's nothing in me that deserves such goodness. And you know what he says? That's because that's what I am. I can't help but love you. I can't help but be good to you. That's me. Love will always find someone to love. It's just that we end up being the receiving end of it. The scripture says that every good and perfect gift comes from God. You know, when, when people, God is the only one that's perfectly good. And Jesus said it right. There's no one other than him who is good. He is the rock. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you that transcends time. What would happen now if you trust him? Remember the house on the rock, that story of two houses that were built. Sandra mentioned it uh, as part of her message. Is those two houses encountered the same storm. But one was on the rock, one was on shifting sand. And the house on the rock stand, stood still. It was not even about the house. Because both houses probably were made of the same thing. But it was what that house was standing on that enabled it to stand firm. Right? The moon gets its light from the sun. Man can keep praising the moon and, you know, enjoy what it does. But the moon by itself does not have its light. Its light comes from facing the sun. As we face the sun, we become like the sun. We become him who we put our trust on. In Psalms 115 verse 8, David was talking about people who make idols, carve things and worship them. He said, they have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot even utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them. 
and all those who trust in them. You become like the one you trust. You become like the one you worship. You become like the one who you give your time to. What made the house on the rock stood still and become like it was not because of what it was made of, but because of what it was standing on. The truth of God is just as eternal as He is. You know, things happen to you. It may be like you, you said, look, how, look, eternity, I can't even see the end of the day. You know, we have all those times. You know, we have times when we go through things and just as we get our heads up, another wave comes crashing up over and we get our heads up again. But all of those things that happen are not because that they're coming from a God who wants to hurt us. God is eternal. And the, the very same thing that happens to us is a test. Not a test for us. It's a test of who He is. Who the rock that we're standing on. And as you trust in Him, you will know how strong and how firm the Lord is. David knew that he has to keep trusting in God. He said, I have set the Lord before me. He's always there, and I will not be shaken. As I keep my eyes on Him, who is the rock, as I keep my eyes focused on Him, and as what is what Paul says, will continue to be changed, continue to be become like Him. So, I'll probably like to end by just reading from Deuteronomy 32. It says, Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe you greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all your ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is He. You may be here this morning And you're thinking, all these weeks I've been hearing about God, but I come to realize that although my mind may be full of Him, full of knowing about Him, but I realize I don't, may not have a relationship with Him yet. This is an opportunity for you to turn your eyes to Him and start that. Some of you may be here saying that, you know, life has been up and down, up and down, you know, there have been things you know I'm struggling with, and I, I'm more and more trying to realize that I cannot put my hope in anything else. There's nothing in the world. I'm sorry to tell you, there's nothing in the world that you could put your anchor on. Change is permanent, but there's something more permanent than change, but it's not here. You have to trust Him. And He is here. He is speaking to you. He is in your heart. He is speaking to you. And He is just like when Bartimaeus was crying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Amid all the, the things, the noises in the crowd, Jesus heard that. He can see right through your heart. And He is there, standing right in front of you. Just as He said to the leper, What can I do for you, my son? 
Lord, I want to know you. Show me your ways. Hide me in you. Feed me. Wash me. I'd like to end with a song, an old hymn, which I think you might all know. Um, did a bit of a research on this. I said that the guy, um, the Reverend Augustus Top Lady in 1973, after coming from preaching um, in Blackdown in the UK, he came upon a storm and he couldn't find any place to hide, so he hid himself in a gorge in Burrington Combe in Mid Deep Hills. I've never been to this place. But that, built, that stone still exists today, and it has a plaque called Rock of Ages on it. And it says, although this might be true or not, but it says, in, while he was hiding in that cleft of the rock, the words of this hymn was crafted. Can we play that song, bro? Rock of ages cleft for me Let me hide myself in thee Let the water and the blood From thy wounded side which flow Be of sin the double cure Save from wrath and make me The labor of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? These for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou Simply to thy cross I cling Naked come to thee for dress Helpless look to thee for grace Found I to the fountain fly Wash me, Savior, or I die Wash me, Savior, or I die draw this fleeting breath when my eyes shall close in death when I rise to worlds unknown and behold thee on thy throne rock of angels cleft for me let me hide myself let me hide myself let me hide in me. Let me hide myself. Let me hide myself.
Let me hide, let me hide myself in Thee. Father, we thank you that you are our rock of ages. that your wings are spread wide for your church and for those who seek you. And even for those, Lord, who who don't yet know you, that you want to come under that wing. Your arms are wide open. Thank you that you are unchanging, that you are a faithful God. And just as Noel said that when you say that I am, It is past, it is present, it is future, it is forever. I pray that this morning, that the revelation of that would sink deep into our spirits. That that which you have established in us, that is your truth, that comes from your word. Lord, is the foundation in which we call you Rock of Ages.